Hello, everybody. Hey, Pastor Terry here, and welcome to our midweek Wednesday Bible study. And uh, it's June the 3rd, and we're moving into summer, and I really enjoy the summertime. But uh, hey, um, uh, again, this is our Wednesday Bible study. And hey, I wanted to say that it was so good to see everyone last Sunday at church. It was just, it'd been 10 Sundays since we were able to meet together. And it was just so good to see everybody. And I look forward to seeing you again uh, this coming Sunday. Hey, I'm going to be teaching a series, starting a series on Sunday on the blessing of the Lord. And so uh, if you can come, come and get in on that. And uh, we're going to learn a lot of things about uh, the blessing of, of God, okay? And uh, hey, hey, before I get into the, to the teaching here today, I want to uh, just say this, that, you know, my heart is, it goes out to the, um, the people and, you know, the families that have lost lives over the last months with the coronavirus and, and certainly the economic hardships that have hit so many and hit our country. And now, of course, with, with the, the, the protesting that's going on, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a challenging time for our country right now. But I believe that with the prayers of the saints, we'll be able to get, to get through it. So, uh, so keep, keep our country in prayer, uh, and it's a very important thing for all of us to do, okay? All right. Uh, let's get into the uh, let's get into the Bible study here for today. I believe I believe we're going to have a two part series, uh, may go three, but we'll just see. And, and I'm going to talk to you about why the devil doesn't flee. Why the devil doesn't flee? And I want you to go to James four seven. James four seven. You know that's a that's a good question. Why? The devil doesn't flee. Of course, we we all have to deal with the devil here and there at times in our lives, and uh, and and I don't know about you, but but I, I want the devil fleeing for me. And uh, I've watched over the many years, uh, you know, people resist the devil, and and he just doesn't go anywhere. They they resist sickness or disease or whatever. You know, sickness and disease is of the devil. And people will resist that. I'm talking Christians now will resist uh, the devil and, and you know, they'll resist sickness, disease, all that. And he doesn't go anywhere. And so uh, that's what this series is, is about. Why the devil doesn't flee? We're going to answer that question. Uh, and, and it's a very important question one of the most important questions that, 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 that there is, okay? And notice in James chapter 4, verse 7. Now, I'm going to do something a little different right now. I'm going to do what, what a lot of folks do with this verse, is they typically grab a hold of the second part of it and neglect the first, okay? And you'll hear, you'll hear people say, well, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, re- resist the devil and he'll flee, okay? And a lot of people quote, I'm talking Christians now, they'll quote that that verse, but they just quote the last half of it, you know? Uh, resist the devil and he'll flee. But yet they're resisting him and resisting him and resisting him, and he doesn't ever flee. And it's because the first part of that verse is being neglected, 
Okay, let's read the first part of that verse. The first part of James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Therefore, submit to God. Notice that, submit to God. Then you resist the devil, and then he'll flee from you. And one one uh, translation, or if you study into that word flee, it actually means he'll run away from you as in terror. Think about that. You know, a lot of people are afraid of the devil. Christians now are afraid of the devil. But really, if, if a Christian really knows who they are in Christ Jesus, the devil's afraid of them. And, and he can be resisted, and he'll flee, run away as in terror. That's the devil running away. You know that the devil ought to be running away from Christians as in terror when we resist him. But the reason that the devil doesn't flee and doesn't have to flee from us when we resist him is if we're not submitting ourselves to God. So so the answer, the very simple answer right up front here is why doesn't the devil flee when he's resisted is because Christians are not submitting themselves to God as they should. Okay. And, uh, and in fact, actually, before I, I even get into talking about being submitted to God, I, I need to say this. You know, many Christians, and I'm not putting anyone down now, but just a lot of folks haven't been taught. Many Christians uh, don't even realize that the devil can be resisted. A lot of Christians, they've just never been taught. And they just think that they're at the mercy of the devil and that the devil and the, you know, just come in and just do whatever he wants. But that's not true according to the word of God. So let me just take a moment and, and, and tell you that the devil and, and demonic power, evil power, can be and should be resisted by a Christian. Because the devil will rear his ugly head here and there as you live your life. But when he does, you need to know that you can resist him. And if you're submitted to God, he'll flee from you. He'll run away from you in terror. Okay? But you have to know that uh, that he can be resisted. You know, the Bible says there's a verse in the Old Testament that says, God says, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And so if you don't even know that the devil can be resisted, then, then you know, he can come around, do whatever he wants to do, and you, you just stand there. But I want to tell you today, hey, you can resist the devil. Let me, let me give you another verse on this. We just read it. The Bible says right there in James 4, 7, to uh, you know, submit to God. Now, we're going to get to that here as we go. But right now, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You can resist the devil. The Bible just told you there that you can do that. But also in 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary... Now, Peter is talking, the Holy Spirit is talking to us through the Apostle Peter. He says, be sober, talking to Christians, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, 
And didn't say he was a roaring lion, said the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, uh, there's a translation uh, of this, uh, seeking whom he may devour, that I read one time. And you study into this, it, 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 it goes like this. He goes about, the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking those who will give him permission to devour them. Think about that. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to give the devil permission to devour me. But he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking those who he can devour. And and then notice the next verse, verse 9. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist him steadfast in the faith. So the Bible here, here's a second verse that tells us that the devil is to be resisted, to be resisted, and you do it in faith. You resist him in faith. And so so we've got two verses now. James 4, 7 says resist the devil, and then here in 1 Peter 5, 9 says resist the devil. So if you didn't know that you could resist the devil, the Bible has just told you that you can, okay? Now, somebody uh, will then rightly bring up a good question, and they'll say, well, Pastor Terry, how how do you resist the devil? How do you do it? Well, I mean, think about if somebody was breaking into your house. How would you resist them? Well, you'd, res- you'd probably have something to say, wouldn't you? I mean, you, you'd, be, you'd be yelling at them. Get away, get out of here, leave, leave me alone. Right? You you'd you'd uh you you you'd you'd probably be calling the police and rightly so. Now now let me tell you something right now that that you need to know. You really need to know this when dealing with the devil. Okay. You know, I said calling the police. And there's nothing wrong with that. Somebody breaking in your house, you need to call the police, sure. But, but you know, if they're breaking in the front door, I mean, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to be saying something. You're going to be doing something, you know. You might be throwing, throwing things at them. I, I don't know. And then calling the police. You, you got to get this. When the devil attacks Christians, a lot of people, like I said, don't even know that the devil can be resisted. But then here's something else. A lot of people, you know, talking about calling the police, a lot of people, when the devil's attacking them, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll call God. They'll, they'll hey, God, help, help. There's nothing wrong with calling God, nothing wrong with calling out for help. But you need to know this. As you study the Bible, okay, Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, gave Christians all authority over the devil and demon power. And, and, and so... Uh, you know, I didn't have this in my notes, but it's just, the, you know, the Holy Spirit leads us here as we teach. When the devil attacks you, the, the, the first response really that a Christian might have is, let's call God. And again, nothing wrong with calling God through prayer. But the way the Bible, the way God has set this authority structure up, that Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, gave us authority over the devil. You can read that in the, in the gospel accounts. And he he told us to uh, resist 
the devil. Jesus told us that we can do that. Go read that in the gospel accounts. So when the devil's attacking, you see a lot of people, they say, God, do something about the devil. And and they wonder why, people wonder why the devil, they've asked God to do something about the devil, and the devil doesn't go anywhere. Well, it's because God has already done everything that he's going to do about getting you victory over the devil. He did that through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given us the authority in the name of Jesus to resist the devil. And so when the devil's attacking, you know, I don't mean this wrong, but people need to understand, don't call God first. He's God's already done everything he's going to do about the devil. He's given us authority, okay? I mean, think about if somebody's breaking in your front door and you've got, I, I mean, and you've got the ability to stop them with whatever means you have, you know, you and there. I'm, I'm talking about they're breaking in the door and they've got weapons in their hands. You know, you're going to take whatever you got before you call the police. You're going to do something to protect you and your family. And then you'll call the police as soon as you can. It's a, I think it's a good example here that when the devil's attacking us, we need to understand that as a Christian, don't cry out to God, oh, God, do something about the devil. You're not going to get any results because God has all, I want to say it again. God has already done everything he's going to do about getting the devil off your case when, when he raised Jesus from the dead. And he's given us authority in the name of Jesus. So when the devil attacks, and he will, at some point he'll attack you, you have to resist him. It says steadfast in the faith. Okay? Now, after, or let me say it this way. To get the devil to flee, to see him run away in terror, and this is what I'm getting to as we go, you're going to have to be submitted to God. Now, I'm going to say more about that as we go, but but right now, how do you resist the devil? You resist him with what? Words and actions. Now, notice if you would, let's look at Acts 16. The Apostle Paul will just, and I could give you other examples of this, but for the sake of time, I think this one will be sufficient. Let's go to Acts 16. There was this uh, young girl that was demon-possessed. And in Acts 16, 16, we're going to see how Paul, the apostle, we're going to see how Paul, the apostle, resisted the devil with words. Now watch this. It happened, Acts 16, 16. It happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us and uh, who brought her masters much Profit by fortune telling. And again, this is Acts 16, 16. Now verse 17. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaimed us the way of salvation. Okay. And this she did for many days. Now we could talk, I could talk about that, but that's not the point of my, my message here. But Paul, greatly annoyed, said to the spirit, to the demon spirit. Now notice Paul didn't ask God to do something about this demonic power, this demonic spirit. He did something about it himself through the authority that Jesus gave him. Now watch this. He said to the spirit, now what's he doing? He's resisting the devil. He says to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Wow. 
Paul resisted the devil and he did it with his words. Okay. And he did it in faith. No question. I mean, you, you think that's clear, but here's something you need to know. And this is really the point of the message. And of course, how did he resist the devil in this case with his words? And that's how you and I, that's one way we resist the devil through our words. The other way would be through actions. But here's something you need to understand about the Apostle Paul and why the devil fleed. See, that the Bible says the devil, the, the demon power. There's one devil, many demons. You understand it. If you don't, I just told you. But he came out of that girl that very hour. He fled. He left. That, that demon left. Now, of course, Paul resisted him, but remember that opening scripture, James 4, 7, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. If you study into, into the apostle Paul's life, you will see that he was a man that was submitted to God, and he, he was submitted, and this is the crux of what we're going to get to, probably not in this section, but the next section, next session, he was submitted to people who God told him to be submitted to. He was submitted, and you, you, you can, we'll, we'll see this as we go. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I'll give you, give you some, some references here in a moment. But the Apostle Paul was a submitted man. He was submitted to godly authority. And because he was submitted to godly authority, he could resist the devil, and the devil fled. He resisted that demon and the demon fled, okay? Now, also, also, as we resist the devil, I'm just telling you now that you can resist the devil through words, now through actions. And, and, and you know, we, we often think about resisting the devil with our words, but the devil can also be resisted and should be resisted through our actions, Um do you know, and let me just say this, resisting the temptation to sin is also resisting the devil. Uh, you know, uh, in, in the circles that I uh, learned in as a, as a young boy, the side of using the words, you know, the devil shows up, you speak to him in the name of Jesus, and that was emphasized, and rightly so. But this part, what I'm talking to you about now, really wasn't emphasized, I think, as it should have been or could have been. But resisting the devil with actions is, is, is a big thing. And, and notice the, the Bible says that the devil is the tempter. And he will come to you and he'll tempt you and he'll tempt you to sin. He'll tempt you to, to disobey God. That's what sin is. It's, it's disobeying God, the transgression of the law. It's, 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 it's missing the mark. It's, it's being disobedient to God, doing things you shouldn't do. Okay. The devil will come and tempt you to do that. And, and folks struggle in, in the area of resisting the devil or resisting the temptation. Have you, have you heard the phrase, you know, I've got to resist that temptation? Well, it's very valid, very true. The devil comes and tempts us. And uh, when he does, he needs to be resisted. And, and not just with words, but with our actions. We don't do what he tells us to do. How does the devil tell us to do something? Thoughts in the mind, and that's where it starts, in your mind. Thoughts in your mind, that's how the devil, you know, demons and whatnot will, you know, get things 
through to you. The de- the, God talks to your spirit down on the inside here, and it comes up to your brain, to your mind. But the devil, see, God speaks from the inside. If you're a Christian, he's on the inside of you. God is. But the devil, he'll, he'll talk to you through thoughts. Absolutely. And when, when thoughts come to us, you know, you know, do, do this, or do that, or don't do that, you know, since, since, you know, you know, don't go to church today or, or don't, you know, uh, uh, you know, do this or that or the other. Usually it's the other way around, you know, why don't you tell a lie or why don't you steal the money or why, you know, why don't you cuss or why don't you not walk in love or, or why don't you talk bad about somebody or whatever, those kinds of things. Those are to be resisted and you resist them with your actions by not following the devil's directions. But here's the thing. And I think that this needs to be said, you know, we we talked about James four, seven, resist the devil and he'll flee. But what was the first part of that verse? Submit yourselves to God. Now I'm convinced that maybe the main reason that Christians struggle so much in not being able to resist temptation, and thus they fall into sin. The reason they can't resist that temptation, they don't resist and they're not successful in resisting it is because they're not submitted to God. All of this, what I'm talking about in this series, hinges on this one thing. A Christian must be submitted to God. If you're not submitted to God, then uh, you're going to be powerless over the devil. Even though you're born again, you know, on your way to heaven. But if you're not submitted to God, the devil's going to just be able to run roughshod over you down here on the earth. And you you can resist the devil till you're blue in the face. And you, know, you can resist the sickness, resist the disease, resist the temptation all you want. But if you're not submitted to God, you're not going to be victorious in any of those those areas. Okay, so if you're struggling in the area of resisting temptation, all right, check up and see whether or not you're submitted to God. And 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 I'll teach you about that so you can know whether or not you're submitted to God as we go along in this series. Okay, now let's go to Luke 22. Go to Luke 22. I want to show you something about our Lord Jesus and how he was submitted to his heavenly father in this area of temptation. Of course, you know, Jesus was tempted at the, at the start of his ministry, his public ministry, you know, and, uh, and, and, and we see that. And, and there, there were three major areas that he was tempted in, and he was successful in resisting temptation. And, 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 but if you look at the life of the Lord Jesus, you need to understand this. He was completely and totally submitted to his heavenly father. He made the statement. He said, I don't say anything unless I hear my father say it. I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. You talk about submission. And so he was, he was tempted at the the beginning of his ministry, (coughs) but you see it again in the garden of Gethsemane, right before he went to the cross in Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Look at this. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives. We're talking about resisting temptation now, being submitted to God. He, as what he was accustomed to do, he and his, his disciples followed him. Verse 40, Luke twenty-two forty. 40. When he came to the place where, where he normally would go, he said to them, pray 
that you may not enter into temptation. So he tells that to the disciples. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, okay, saying, Father, now watch this, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, right here, we get we get a first inkling of what submission really is. Submission is, is subjecting yourself to someone else's authority. And Jesus was subjected to the Heavenly Father's authority, and you see it right here. You know, and essentially he's saying if there's any other way other than that I would have to go to the cross, you know, let this cup pass for me if there's any other way, but there wasn't any other way. And, and, and as you study into this, this was a struggle for the Lord Jesus, okay? He was going to go to the cross, bear the sins of mankind, bear the sickness and disease of mankind, be cut off from his heavenly father and all of that for a period of time. And it was something that he did not, I mean, I, I, I mean, when it came right down to it, he, he, you can read it. He, 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 is there any other way? Is there any other way? Now, in this account, in Luke, I don't believe that part of it is, is, is brought out, but you can read the other accounts, I guess in Matthew and Mark and possibly John and see where he said, you know, let Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. So he was, he was dealing with his will there. And, and there was no other way. He had to go to the cross to bear the sins, your, your sins and mine, and all of that. But, but he had to, now Jesus lived his life in subjection to his heavenly father, submission to his heavenly father. But right here, we're talking about resisting temptation. I believe he was, there was that temptation to not go to the cross. And he went into prayer, much we could say about the importance of prayer. But he says, nevertheless, not my will. He's talking to the Heavenly Father. He's submitting himself to God here now. He, he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he subjected himself ultimately to what his Heavenly Father wanted and he, of course, went to the cross. Thank God that he did. And notice verse 43. Uh, an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony. In agony. You know, I'll say this later, but sometimes being submitted to God can be... Uh, uh, it... it, it, it he was in agony. It's, let me put it this way. It can be difficult to stay submitted to God, as we'll see as we go through this, this study. But he was in agony. He prayed more earnestly. And notice, sweat. My gosh, think about this. Sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Look at the kind of anguish our Lord was in. What was he doing? He was keeping himself submitted to God, his Father. Now, he was God in the flesh, of course, but he was operating in his humanity here, and he was keeping 
himself submitted to his heavenly father to the point that sweat ran down and it was like drops of blood. Think about that. But you know what? Jesus, because of that submission to his heavenly father, was able to successfully resist this temptation. It's interesting in Hebrews, the 12th chapter in verse 4, talks about that he resisted to bloodshed, striving or resisting sin. See, that sweat, that sweat that he sweated, it was like blood. He was resisting that temptation. And, and in all that, he was, he was in agony, keeping himself submitted to God. And you know he was successful because the Bible says that he was tempted in all points like as we are, and he never sinned. Why? Because he kept himself submitted to God. And when the devil would approach him, Jesus would resist him. And the devil always fled from Jesus as in terror. Why is that? Well, because Jesus stayed submitted to his heavenly father. And what does the Bible say? Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. And Jesus stayed submitted to the Father. He would resist the devil at different times. You'd see it, you know, in his in his ministry, and the devil would, would leave. I think about the maniac of Gadara. I mean, and, and others we could talk about, but Jesus resisted the devil. And like in that maniac, and the devil fled out of that maniac, and, the, and that maniac became an evangelist. Isn't, isn't that something wonderful? But Jesus stayed submitted to God. And, and he was able to resist the devil successfully. Jesus resisted the devil with his words, and the devil would flee. And then Jesus would resist the devil by, not, uh, 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 by staying submitted to God, thus not cooperating with the devil. And, uh, and Jesus never sinned. Thank God he never sinned. So when the devil rears his ugly head, we need to be submitted to God. And then... You can resist the devil with words or actions, and the devil will flee, and and you won't have to give in to that sin, that temptation and sin, and, that, and everything will go better for you, okay? Now, oh, and I did want to say this, too, before we leave this incident with Jesus. Uh, if you go to Hebrews, the fifth chapter, verses 7 and 8, it talks about the days of his flesh. What that means is when he was here in his earthly ministry— uh, it says he offered up prayers and supplications and vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. That was to his father. He was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son. It talks about him learning obedience. I could talk about that for a while, but here's the thing. By the things which he suffered. Now, what this is talking about here was, I believe, in the Garden of Gethsemane and other things we could say, but the Garden of Gethsemane when he was resisting that temptation to step out of the will of God, okay, out of the will of his heavenly father, we just talked about that, but by the things which he suffered, you need to understand this. To truly stay submitted to God, it will cause a suffering on your flesh. Remember, Jesus was in agony. It, 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 to stay submitted to God, there is a suffering that comes to your flesh. You need to know that, and it won't be so evident this week in this session, but next week, you're going to see it, and it'll be very clear to you, okay? We'll get to that as we go. So submit. We've talked about submission. 
Let me just give you a definition. Being a teacher, I like definitions. It means to obey. It means to be subject to. It means to humble oneself under another another's authority. And you think about the suffering on the flesh or agony when you have to humble yourself <clears throat> under somebody else's authority. We'll get into that as we go. I mean, that can cause a suffering on your flesh. Means uh, submit means to cooperate with, means to yield, like a yield sign, you know, when you're driving on the road and, you know, there's a, a big truck coming along, you definitely want to yield, you know. Give way to, means to give way to another vehicle. And uh, so submission means to yield. And also, actually, you study into it, it, it it's actually, it, it's a military term. This word submit in the Bible there's a military connotation to it, uh, which means to rank troops in order and so forth. And of course, we're all soldiers in the army of the Lord. And you need to understand that God works, you know, through authority structures and whatnot. And so it's as we get into this, we'll see that, that, there's, there, that there's an authority structure that God has. And we need to be sure that we're uh, uh, submitting properly to the authority structure that God has set up for us for our own good. Okay. You need to realize that. And, and so we'll, 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 we'll see that as we go, but I got to give you this groundwork on this today. And then it'll, it'll, it'll really jump out and come alive to you as we go through this, particularly next week. But look again. So we've said, submit to God, resist the devil. He'll, he'll flee from you now here. Now listen to this. Every Christian I've ever talked to about this subject of submission, when they're asked, do you want to be submitted to God? Every single time, everybody has always told me, yes, pastor, I want to be submitted to God. Absolutely. I've never had one person, Christian now, you know, that really loved the Lord tell me, you know, that they didn't want to be submitted to God. They've all said, yes, pastor, I want to be submitted to God. Every Christian that I've ever asked that question to has said yes. And many will say, yes, pastor. I, in fact, I am submitted to God. I, and I've had many of them tell me over the years, yeah, I'm absolutely pastor. I'm submitted to God. Yet they resist the devil and resist him and resist him and resist him till they're blue in the face. And the devil never flees from them. He never flees. The, 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 the devil never flees. The sickness never leaves. The disease never leaves. You know, sickness and disease, as I said earlier, is of the devil. Sickness and disease needs to be resisted. You know, I believe in good hospitals, good doctors, good medicine, certainly. But, but, but there's, you know, sickness at its, at its root is spiritual and it's to be resisted. Sickness is not of God. It's of the devil, and it's to be resisted, okay? Why doesn't the sickness leave? Why doesn't the, 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 the disease leave? See, all of a sudden, this is really an important subject, isn't it? Okay? It's not really just, just about, you know, having the devil run off and hide in a corner. It's how to get the cancer off your body or how to get whatever it is you may be dealing with in the area of your body, sickness and disease, how to get that off your body, okay? This is an important subject, everybody. It really, really is. This submission to God is a very important subject, okay? But many 
will say, yeah, pastor, I'm submitted to God, uh, but they're resisting the devil and, and he never goes anywhere. The, the sickness and disease never go anywhere. Why? 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 Well, we know the answer. They're not, not submitted to God. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Many Christians think they are submitted to God when they really are not. Oh, my goodness. If you're taking notes, if you have a highlighter, you ought to write that down. And then you ought to highlight that with about, about 72 different colors. Very important right here what I just said. Many Christians think they are submitted to God when really they are not. And this will jump out and come alive to you next week, I'm telling you. But let me say this right now. It comes down to this. To be submitted to God, one must be submitted not only to what God says in his word, the Bible, but also, and this but also is the big thing right here. It's This is the big one right here. But also to the people God tells them to be submitted to in their word, or in his word, I'm sorry, in his word. Let me say that again. I want you to get this. I like what one... Uh, one lady said to me this last Sunday, I just love her so much. She's just a wonderful lady. She said, you know, pastor, she said, I like watching you on the, on the video because if you get to going too fast or whatever, if you, if I miss something that you said, I can stop it, pause it, rewind it and listen to it again. And that really blessed me when she said that. So you might need to stop right there, go back and listen to this again, but I'm going to say it again for you here. Watch this now. It comes down to this. To be submitted to God, one must be submitted not only to what he says in, in the Bible. Everybody wants to be submitted to the Bible, sure. Every Christian I've ever met, sure, they'll say absolutely. But also, one has to be submitted to the people God tells us to be submitted to in his word. You know that in the Bible, God tells us that we have to be submitted to certain people. And that's where the rub comes in. That's where it gets suffering on the flesh. That's where the agony comes in a lot of times, right there. And then here you need to, you need to get this also too. Again, get ready to write this down and put about 72 different colors on this with highlighting, okay? We're talking now about important stuff. We're talking about how to get the devil to flee comes down to this. <clears throat> now watch. Ready? Here we go. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Okay, here we go. All right. One does not find out whether or not they are submitted to God until they disagree with the person God has told them to be submitted to. Now that statement right there is a mouthful. In that statement right there, you really find out why the devil doesn't flee when he's resisted. Right there. I'm going to read it again. One does not find out whether or not they are submitted to God until they disagree with the person or persons 
God has told them to be submitted to. Now notice, we, we saw disagreement and with the people God told them to be submitted to in, in his word. Now, you know, if you want to be submitted to God, it's one thing to say, well, I'm submitted to, to the Bible and, and, and that's good. But if God has told you in his word or through the leading of his spirit to be submitted to somebody or to, a, to, a, to an organization or whatever it is, if God's told you to do that, okay, then you would certainly want to be submitted to that person or the group of people, organization, whatever it is. We'll talk about all these things next week. Who we're supposed to be submitted to according to the word of God. So that's a key in all of this, being submitted to the people God tells us to be submitted to, okay? But you need to understand this. Submission cannot be tested until there is disagreement. Until there's disagreement, okay? Until there is disagreement, right? Now, um, let's go to, uh, let's go to Acts, the 15th chapter, and look at, at uh, verse 36. We'll talk about Paul and Barnabas. I'll go on here a little while longer. Paul and Barnabas. Did you know Paul now, God used him to write approximately, well, over half, maybe two-thirds, whatever, a whole bunch of the New Testament. And Barnabas was his traveling companion. And uh, Paul had the leadership role. Barnabas was there as uh, a co-worker, a co-laborer with Paul, all right. But Paul had the leadership role. He was, Paul had the position of authority. Paul was, uh, we could say, he was like, like, he was in charge. He was the, the, the boss, if you will. Okay. And let's look at what happened between Paul and Barnabas. Okay. In Acts 15, verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. So they're setting out on, I believe it's now the second missionary journey. They'd completed the first. Now they're going to go out on the second. In verse 37, Barnabas was determined to take with them John, who was also called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So Mark, John Mark, he had left them on their first missionary journey. He, 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 he left. He deserted them, if you will, or he left. Got too hard for him. Whatever the case, he left. Paul didn't like that. Now they're going to go out on the second one. And, uh, and Paul says, we're not going to take him with us. And Barnabas says, well, yes, yes, we are. And Paul said, no, we're not. And Barnabas said, well, yes, we are. And Paul said, no, we're not. And Barnabas said, yes, we are. 
Now, do you see how this submission thing is all is, I think it should start, it's starting to materialize to you here just a little bit where I'm going with all of this. Paul was set by God. Apparently there's no question in my mind, he was set as the leader of this, of this team. Paul was. And now a decision has to be made. It's not a heaven held decision. You know what I mean by that? It's whether you take Mark or not, John Mark, it's not a heaven hell issue, you know, but it's a decision that has to be made. And the leader said, we're not going to take him with us. And Barnabas said, well, yeah, yeah, we are. And, and watch this in verse 39, the contention became so sharp between Barnabas and Paul. The contention, look at that. that. The contention between Barnabas and Paul became so sharp that they parted from one another. They parted company. They parted company over this. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and departed uh, uh, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God and went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. What does this come down to? Barnabas, as good a man as he was, wonderful man. He was an encourager, a wonderful man. He had encouraged Paul earlier and came looking for him and was very, very helpful to Paul earlier. But yet in this case, Paul was in charge and Barnabas was there in a subordinate role And Barnabas did not submit to godly authority. And it was tested through that disagreement. See, submission to God cannot be really tested until there's disagreement. Until you disagree with the person that that is, is, is over you. That's when we find out whether or not you're submitted or I'm submitted to authority, to godly authority. And right here, we found out that Barnabas was not as good a man as he was, was not ultimately submitted to godly authority. And of course, he takes Mark and he continues to go on and he continues to do good. Barnabas did. But we never really hear from him again in the New Testament. Now, Paul mentioned him affectionately one time later on. And and actually, Paul mentioned Mark affectionately and, and called for him later on and said that you know he was profitable to Paul for ministry. So it wasn't a question about them kissing and making up. They, they, they did that. But think about, I mean, I believe it was the perfect will of God for Barnabas to be with, with Paul. And think about all the things that Barnabas, you know, missed out on. That he didn't get to, I mean, that he didn't get to be in on because he wouldn't submit to godly authority. And he drops off the pages of the New Testament, by and large. As I said, we one mentioned later on, but but I mean, he 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 he's gone. Now he still went on and did good and all that, but you know, it, it cost him. And no telling what it may cost him at the judgment seat of Christ later on down the road. But the point is that, you know, submission was tested through this point of disagreement. Barnabas failed that test. It's something, and you see as you study, and I said this earlier, but I want to say it again, as you study the Apostle Paul, you see that he was submitted to godly authority. 
I mean, when he'd resist the devil, the devil would flee. When he'd resist sickness and disease, it would it, people would get healed. And I'm not going to take the time, but I encourage you to read Acts the 15th chapter and Acts the 21st chapter, Acts 15 and Acts 21, and you can see examples of where Paul was submitted to godly authority. He was submitted to Pastor James and and the elders in the church at, at Jerusalem. He Paul was a submitted man, submitted to godly authority. Now, I want to close with this, and then we'll pick up next week. I got to give you a caution here. If not understood properly, the subject of submission to authority can can denigrate into dictatorial rule. It's a caution here because that's not what submission to godly authority is all about, dictatorial rule. But if this subject is not understood properly, it can denigrate into that where where you know you get you get people in authority lording it over people who are under them beating them up you know with their words and making life miserable for them and that's not what this is all about and so i just want to put that caution right there and it'll bear itself out as we go but i'll close with this the safety net so that this subject does not denigrate into dictatorial authority and rule, uh, there's a safety net. Here it is. Uh, If you'll go to Acts, the fifth chapter. Now, the apostles had been commanded by the authorities not to preach in the name of Jesus, but they did it anyway. Now, we'll get to it next week. The Bible tells us to be submitted to governmental authority. I believe in this case, it was was, uh, religious authority. The Bible tells us we're supposed to be submitted to governmental authority, to pastoral authority. But now notice here, the apostles, let me read from my notes, they'd been commanded by a religious authority not to preach in the name of, now think about that, not to preach in the name of Jesus, but they did it anyway. And they were put in prison. They were miraculously released by an angel And then they went out on the streets and continued to preach in the name of Jesus. And look at Acts, the fifth chapter and the 27th verse, when they were finally then brought before the authorities. Notice they were brought back. You know, they've been released from prison because they weren't obeying the authority. And now watch this. When they had been, when they brought them, they set them before the council, Acts 5, 27. The high priest asked them saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in, in, in this name, in the name of Jesus. And look, you've filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and so forth and so on. Look at, and bring this man's blood on us. Look at verse 29. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. We ought to obey God rather than man. Now there's your safety net. If anybody that, and we'll get to these next week, because next week I'm going to list from the Bible, who God tells us we're supposed to be submitted to, okay? I mean, everybody say, yeah, I'm submitted to God, and that's good, but God tells us in his word who we're supposed to be submitted to. Now, I'll give you those next week. We'll go through them. I'll give you scriptures, okay? But if anyone ever tells you or or asks you or tells you, however you want to say it, to do something that is out of line or in direct disobedience to his word, 
then you don't obey that person or that group or that organization. You obey the word of God. Okay? So there's a safety net. We ought to obey God rather than man. And that's a safety net to not let this submission and authority issue denigrate into dictatorial rule. You know, whoever ever has authority just gets to lord it over everybody else. That's not what this is all about. But you think about this right here with these apostles. This is heaven-hell issue. This is heaven-hell material. They were commanded, think of it, not to preach in the name of Jesus. And they said no. And they were right to say no because that is in violation of the Bible. Okay? All right? But whether or not you're going to take John Mark on a missionary journey, now that's not a heaven-hell issue, which we just talked about. You, You see? So, so you need to realize that there is godly authority. There is godly structure. We need to find out who we're supposed to be submitted to and then stay submitted. And uh, we'll see next week when, the, when people that we're supposed to be submitted to ask us to do something, we disagree with it. That's when we find out whether or not we're submitted to God. And that's where we find out whether or not the devil's going to ultimately resist us. I'm sorry, whether or not the devil's going to flee when we resist him is what I meant to say. Okay. So we'll pick up with this next week. I want to ask you to read Ephesians chapter five and six. And uh, that is an assignment for all my students out there. Read Ephesians five, chapter five and chapter six, and that will help you, uh, get ready for what I'm going to talk about next week when I list for you all the people we're supposed to be submitted to, okay? But we want, when we resist the devil, we want him to flee from us as in terror. So we need to understand some some things about who we're supposed to be submitted to, okay? I I, I just have this thought um, about like this, I'll close with this because it fits right in here. This coronavirus thing, you know, uh, I was asked by the county, the local authorities, to uh, do certain things with the church, you know, and, and to shut down for several weeks. And and uh, now that we're opening back up, to open up in a in a, in a certain way. And and uh, and and I made a decision to to submit to the governmental authorities because that's what the Bible tells us to do. I'll give you scripture next week. And uh, you know. here's the thing. If they would have told me to shut the church down while everything else stayed open, I would not have obeyed that. And they could have put me in, in, in jail or like on the reopening process here. If they told everybody else, the sports, the bars, the Las Vegas, everybody go ahead and open up. But the churches all have to you know, Pastor Terry, you have to, you know, you can't open or you can just, you know, open just, you know, just you get what I'm saying. I wouldn't have obeyed that. But you see, this thing was was something that went all through the country and nobody was was, in my opinion, was being picked on. And now, every you know, the, 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 the bars and the churches were all being treated the same. So I had to make a decision. It wasn't heaven, hell issue. And so I decided to be able to, to follow uh, what what Romans the 13th chapter says and and, and follow uh, you know be submitted to, to godly authority even though I disagreed with a good portion of it not all of it I didn't disagree with but a good portion some of it some of it 
but I decided to be submitted to it because you see, I want the devil to flee when I resist him. Okay. Now, again, if they would have said, don't preach in the name of Jesus, or you can't ever pray again, or you can't, you know, then we, re- then we don't obey what they say and they put me in jail. Okay. And I believe that the angels would come and open up the prison doors. Okay. So I, I hope you get what I'm saying. I hope this helped you today. Very important subject. Maybe one of the most important subjects in the Bible, because uh, we all want the devil to flee when we, when we resist him. Okay. Hey, I gave you your assignment for next week. I'll see you this Sunday. And again, just so you know, Sundays we're, we're meeting at church and uh, uh, we'll be there from 10 till 11. And, uh, and then I'll also, uh, I think what I'm going to be doing is we'll be teaching at the church on the blessing of the Lord. And then I'll also record that same message here in my office and put that out for people who can't yet get to church. And then, of course, we'll be continuing Wednesday Bible studies right here online for the foreseeable future. Okay. Hey, God bless you. And uh, hope you enjoyed this today. We'll see you next time. Okay. Have a great day. And remember, keep our country in prayer. It really needs it. Okay. Bye-bye.